Hey chat GPT, write me an intro to a Today Explained episode where we talk about AI generation. Hello and welcome to Today Explained. In this episode, we will be discussing the topic of AI generation. This refers to the use of artificial intelligence to generate various forms of content, such as text, images, and audio. AI generation has the potential to revolutionize many industries and has already begun to change the way we create and consume content. We'll explore the implications of this technology and discuss some of the challenges it presents. Stay tuned for more. Thanks, ChatGPT. Support for Today Explained comes from FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. If you like spy thrillers or indeed Elizabeth Moss, then you might want to check out FX's The Veil. It's an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. Oh, I'll go. One woman has a secret, same here, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, you seem like a person, but you're just a voice in a computer. I can understand how the limited perspective of an unartificial mind would perceive it that way. You'll get used to it. <laughs> Today Explained, Sean Ramos firm, the internet has been full of screenshots of people's DMs lately, but they're not DMing with other people, they're messaging with artificial intelligence. The internet's going crazy over new artificial intelligence called ChatGPT. You literally can put into it, you know, write a script, a Seinfeld script in, about this yeah. and it, it'll do it. It took Netflix more than three years to reach one million users, but it took ChatGPT just five days. So the, the bot that everyone's been chatting to is ChatGPT, which was released on November 30th and everyone's been talking to it for the last couple of weeks, basically. James Vincent is a senior reporter at The Verge who's also a ChatGPT user. So it is an AI chatbot that is made by a company named OpenAI, who have been doing a lot of research into this and other AI areas. And it's sort of the most, one of the most advanced versions or one of the most advanced examples of its type. But the big thing is, is that it's sort of publicly accessible in a way that these level of bots, these high quality bots haven't been before. So, you know, you can just jump into a conversation with it straight from your browser, open up a window, you know, like you were talking to a family member, and you can ask it questions. You can ask it anything you like. And it's it's pretty clever. <laughs> well, how does it work? ChatGPT, like other sort of AI chatbots, 
uh, is what we call a large language model. And they are trained by looking at huge stores of text, most of which have been scraped from the internet. So you do things like you download all of Wikipedia, you download all the blog posts you can find, all the recipes, all the stories, everything like that. And you train a machine to look for patterns within that data. Hmm. What it does is it starts looking for where words appear next to one another within the text, and it starts looking for patterns within that. So it knows that if you say a sentence like, the cat sat on the... It's going to finish that more likely with mat or rug or chair or whatever that might be than aluminium balustrade or <laughs> nuclear isotope, whatever that is, you know? So it looks for these patterns, and then it learns from that how sort of language flows forward. Can we try it out right now? Can we can we play with it? Absolutely. Yeah, we can load it up, have a little talk. Where do I go? GPT.org? Chat.openai.com forward slash chat. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, that was my second guess. Yeah. Chat.openai.com. Oh, I need to log in. Do I have a login? Uh, you may need to sign up. I've got a login with me now. Would you like me to? <laughs> I'm all ready to go if you'd like me to ask it some questions. Okay, why don't you just do it, and I'll just I'll just be entertained. Well, you 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 tell me what you want to ask it, and I'll 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 whack that in. I mean, I want it to be hard. I don't want it to just be like who is Beyonce. So, um, why don't we make it something more nuanced? Like, why do people love Beyonce? Okay, let's see what it says. There are many reasons why people love Beyonce. She is an incredibly talented singer, dancer, and performer, and has been entertaining audiences for many years. She has a powerful and distinctive voice and is known for her energetic and engaging live performances. She's also known for her beauty and style, which many people find appealing. Hmm. There we are. That, that's why people like Beyonce. I mean, I, like, it, it's, not, it's not wrong as far as answers go. No. I can see if this were like a fourth grade, you know, class and we were doing an essay, uh, write a paragraph about why people love Beyonce, that would be a pretty good answer from an eight-year-old. But so, but let's try and push it a little bit further then. I mean, so as you say, like when, when it comes to, you know, scraping very basic information off the internet, that's not too exciting. Right. So what what is something a little bit more, are you, are you a Beyonce fan? Sure, sure. Okay, so what, what's something a little bit more granular? What's your favorite song by Beyonce? Ooh, <laughs> that's tough. Wow, I didn't know that you were going to be putting me on the spot. I mean, <laughs> sorry. It's the way no, it's okay. I like it. I appreciate it. I, Plastic Off the Sofa is a recent favorite. Okay, so why don't we ask the bot, tell me why Plastic Off the Sofa is such an amazing song. Uh, so there may be a problem with this because the chatbot is only trained on data that goes right into 2021. So you've picked a recent one and it said, I'm sorry, I don't have any information about a song called Plastic Off the Sofa. Ah, so you've stumped it already. <laughs> we found its blind spot. But let's let's ask it to be creative. What if we said, write me a song in the style of Beyonce? Could it do that? Yeah. Uh, what should the song be about? Love. Come on, that's too easy. Too let's easy. have something. Let's have something that Beyonce wouldn't write a song about. Because one thing these bots are very good at, they're very good at combining styles. Okay, great, great, great. L write me a Beyonce song about cheeseburgers. All right. Okay, verse one. I mean, this is I, I'm reading this out loud. So this is going to be terrible. We'll 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 get we'll get you a beat. We'll we'll drop the beat <laughs> for you. 
I'm in the mood for a cheeseburger. Something savory, something sweet. Juicy patty, melted cheese. Topped with ketchup, lettuce, please. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. It's my favorite food in the whole wide world. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. I would eat one every day, girl. <laughs> it's not terrible. <laughs> That's even worse in my accent. I really apologize for that. This <laughs> is the most un-Beyonce thing anyway. Oh man, that's great. Okay, so so it's creative. The AI can can do creativity. Absolutely. And it can do, you know, all sorts of styles of writing. So for example, if you wanted to say write a college essay or you wanted to write a legal document or you wanted to write a news article, um you could ask it to say write me a news article about landing on Mars and we can put that in there and then it'll come out in a few seconds. Seconds. A few yeah, I mean, it's not too slow. Oh, sorry. It's uh, it has um, it's written me another song about cheeseburgers. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, should we do? Should we do? Who else? Who else would you like to land on Mars apart from Beyonce? Who else could be landing on Mars in the future? Let's say write us an essay about Matt Damon landing on Mars. They say that once you grow crops somewhere, you've officially colonized it. So, technically, I colonized Mars. Matt Damon. Okay. Landing on Mars. It's thinking. Actor Matt Damon has made history by becoming the first person to land on Mars. The Academy Award-winning actor was part of a NASA mission to explore the Red Planet and successfully touched down on the surface earlier today. Mm. Damon, who has long been fascinated by space exploration, was selected by NASA to be the first person to land on Mars due to his experience as an astronaut in the 2013 film The Martian. It made the connection! It made the connection. See, it, it, it is the little things like that that are very impressive about this because you're like, well, I never made that explicit. That was that was implicit within your statement, and it found it in your face, Neil Armstrong. So the AI can give me a song about cheeseburgers in the style of Beyonce. The AI can write me an essay for a future news event and connect some cultural references that I didn't even make explicit. What are the limitations here? Where does this really show? It's gears. So uh, there's two big limitations, one of which is sort of hard to see on demand. And it's the fact that these systems will make up information if they don't have a good answer for you. Aha. So they, they really have no way of telling fact from fiction. It's not like an encyclopedia where it has a list of known things that happened. It is only, it's a probabilistic machine. It's only predicting the probability of the next word being correct. So sometimes you might ask it for a biography of someone. And if it doesn't know what they were doing between the years 73 and 79, it'll just make it up. And, and the probability stuff means that it's also bad at some things like maths. So if you ask it to be like, oh, what's three times three? That is something it will have seen in its training data. So it'll know what that is, or it'll know enough sort of small sums to know where that's going. If you ask it to multiply two very large numbers, the chance of it having seen those numbers any time before uh, is uh, next to nil. So it won't know how to do that. Wait, it can't do large multiplication? That feels like so basic, like my phone could do that. But this is this is like the, the the promise of this technology, right? Is that it has these huge strengths and it's because we are approaching how to make computers in a completely different way to normal. It is built on these principles of machine learning, which is all about learning from past examples. So it's created this sort of statistical map of how language works and how text works. And it's done that by looking at lots of text scraped from the web. 
But that means that its knowledge is probabilistic rather than deterministic. So it only knows the probability that the next word will follow will be the one you want. And it doesn't have a sort of a system of hard-coded facts like an encyclopedia might. Let me hear you say, hey, Miss Carter. The ethical issues, because obviously there are ethical issues, in a minute on Today Explained. I'm in the mood for a cheeseburger. Something savory, something sweet. Juicy patty, melted cheese. Top with ketchup, lettuce, please. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. It's my favorite food in the whole wide world. Cheeseburger, cheeseburger. I would eat one every day, girl. See me up in the club with 11 girls. Posted in the back, dumb things in my grill. Support for the show today comes from Quince. It's a time of year where the weather is changing. Maybe your wardrobe is too. It's time to put away the winter clothes and pull out the summer clothes. But maybe you pull out your summer clothes and you're like, wait, I hate all these clothes. Well, Quince wants to offer you a chance to hit F5. You know what I'm saying? A little refresh. Is that still what F5 does? Back in my day, that's what F5 does. Claire White. My colleague here at Vox has tried Quince. I would say the clothes feel super timeless. A lot of their silhouettes are classic and stay in style for a really long time. I would categorize Quince as a very timeless, approachable brand. You can hit F5 and upgrade your wardrobe this spring by going to quince.com slash explain for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash explained to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash explained. Support for Today Explained comes from Ramp. This ad goes out to all the finance professionals looking for love. I'm just kidding. Looking for a better way to simplify business finance across expenses, vendor payments, and accounting. And to all the accountants tired of the same old finance software, Ramp may be the answer you've been looking for. Ramp is the corporate card and spend management software designed to help you save time and put money back in your pocket. So what does that mean? Well, according to Ramp, they give finance teams unprecedented control and insight into company spending issue cards to every employee with limits and restrictions, automate expense reporting so you don't waste time. Ramp says its accounting software automatically collects receipts and categorizes your expenses in real time so that you don't have to. That could put an end to chasing down receipts and to your employees spending hours submitting expense reports. And now you can get $250 when you join Ramp. Just go to ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained, ramp.com slash explained. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank. Members FDIC. Terms and conditions do apply. All the single patties, 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 all the single patties. Get your cheese out! Today Explained, we're back with James Vincent, senior reporter at The Verge. We talked about the AI-powered chatbot that's been passed around online, but it's not just text, it's images too. Yeah, they're related in that they're both part of the same 
sort of genre of AI called generative AI, which is all about sort of replicating um, human creativity, basically, whether that's writing things or drawing things. Um, and they also use some of the same sort of underlying uh, technical methods. You know, they, they both involve looking at large amounts of data and then looking for patterns in that. And we've, you know, we've come up with some very good ways of doing that in the last couple of years, which is why these technologies are sort of bubbling up at the same time. Is this the same chat bot, a different bot? <laughs> These are different bots, uh, but some of which are made by the same company. Huh. So there's been a lot of image generation bots that have become really popular in the last year. Uh, one of which is called Dolly, which is also made by OpenAI, like ChatGPT. But there are also sort of very open source ones um, called Stable Diffusion, Midjourney, and they're free for anyone to use. And in, in, in the past, these systems were sort of quite inaccessible. They were mainly used by researchers, but now they're available on the open web. And so people are asking them to do all sorts of weird things. Yeah, I mean, I saw this one guy who I follow, Hank Green, who's a friend of the show, say, I decided to post uh, AI-generated images of cats, and every time I post one, I'm going to add an A in the word cat until it's no longer a cat. So I was on Twitter one day, and somebody actually said to me, as everyone was experimenting with Midjourney, what, what would it look like? What would happen? Let's see like how many A's you could put into the word cat before Midjourney no longer is giving you a cat. Did you see this? Yeah, I did. I did. He got quite far. So I did this, and the first cat I got once I upgraded to V4 was just a perfect, beautiful cat. It looked a little bit like my cat, honestly. I have like a long-haired, kind of elegant, regal-looking, you know, year-and-a-half-year-old jerk <laughs> named Gummy Bear who lives in my house. So that was beautiful, regardless of, you know, the, the depth of the complexity of how it was created. And then I put in the second A and immediately I was like, oh, this is actually probably going to work because that cat wasn't a normal looking cat anymore. It looked, I think it looked a little bit more like kind of a steampunk admiral. So like immediately, second A, it was like, you don't want just any cat. You want a special cat. And I, I was so happy. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, this is going to work. Like something interesting is going to happen here. And as I kept adding A's, they kept getting weirder. Like there were a couple, like there was one who looked like he was gonna sell you weed. Yeah. And there was one who looked like he was probably from space. Yeah. But like a normal, like a cat spaceman, not like an alien cat, but just like a cat who went to space sometimes. Yeah. And then eventually the A's, I think convinced Midjourney that I wanted cats to scream because there was like a cat. And they began to get kind of more and more angry. Yeah. And also further and further away from a cat until when I hit 10 A's, I finally got my first non-cat. And it was a cat girl. It was a human with cat features. <laughs> I did eventually get one that was a building and definitely not cat-like at all, but I, I never posted that one because it was quite a ways in. And I think, you know, I, I'm always looking at the kinds of tools that I think that the creators of the future will be using. And it seems very hard to imagine a world where this isn't a part of it.
Why is it that like eight A's will create a human and not four? But it, what is sort of similar to the chat systems you've seen, they have associations that are stored in their memory. What they've done is they've been trained by looking at lots of data on the internet. In the case of the image generation models, there will be lots of pictures of cats on the internet. Who knew? And, you know, they will be downloaded and they'll be attached to sort of data that describes what is in them. So if you are uploading a picture of a cat, you've probably at some point you know, either as a typo or because you're, you know, having fun with how you're typing it out, you've probably added some extra, you maybe added some extra A's to that cat, however improbable that sounds. But there will be a point at which you've added so many A's that no one's ever done that before. So the machine no longer recognizes that as an input. Hmm. And, and like where, in the case of the images, where are these images coming from? Are they stealing them from, from Google image results or, or what? Each image is being created entirely afresh. It's a, it's a, it's a mm. new image. But what they've done is that they've learned by looking at older images for patterns in them. So they take a lot of pictures of cats and they work out what is a sort of common way in, in drawing or in depicting a cat. But this has sort of been quite a cause of controversy because a lot of the data used to train these image programs is copyrighted. Mm. It's been put on the web by artists, by photographers, illustrators... And it's been scraped, it's been taken without their permission and used by these companies to create these systems. And so if the system wants to recreate an individual's style, you can ask it to do that and it will probably know who that person is and create art that looks like theirs. Mm. And so the question is, is that copyright infringement? Is there an ethical problem there? You know, is it okay if a human copies a human? But what if a machine copies a human? And what's the answer? It sounds like probably yes, right? Well, the, the, the legal side of this is very much up in the air. There is one ongoing court case, not about art, but about code being scraped from uh, the internet and then used to train an AI, where the people are saying that that was done, you know, without res proper respect to licenses. But in terms of the art, I've spoken to a lot of lawyers about this in the past. And so the general consensus is that taking the data is legal. However, how you then use that data might be illegal. So for example, you might train a system on someone's artwork, and that is fine. That you know, you're allowed to do that. That's fair use. However, if you then use that system to create art and then you sell it by saying this is art that looks like this guy's art, then that would be illegal. Are there rules or regulations around these kinds of bots yet? Some companies have put rules on them and some companies haven't. So OpenAI has quite a restrictive approach to using its uh, AI image program called Dolly. Um, and it makes people pay for it. And it's trying to turn it into more of a sort of, you know, a legitimate business. It partners with Microsoft and things like that. Other companies have gone, well, the best way for us to do that is to just make this technology available for anyone to use. And that way it will develop faster. And their approach is to put these models out without any restrictions at all. We trust people and we trust the community, as opposed to having a centralized, unelected entity controlling the most powerful technology in the world. And obviously that comes with these dangers that they will be used for to copy people's artwork or that they will be used for things like generating pornography, for example, which is something that a, a company like OpenAI doesn't want to be associated with. Are there laws on the books yet 
Nothing comprehensive. I, I think this is something where, you know, in classical tech fashion, the technology is moving much faster than the legislation is. You know, there are policies in the US, in the EU, aimed at dealing with these sorts of malicious uses of these programs, but they're not very well thought out. They're not necessarily going to come into power very quickly. So I think we're going to see problems with this stuff soon. Algorithmic bias like human bias results in unfairness. However, algorithms like viruses can spread bias on a massive scale at a rapid pace. If we don't have women and underrepresented people of color at the table, we will bake into those systems bias, particularly artificial intelligence. Bias is a huge problem for these systems because they are trained on the internet. And the internet is full of a lot of pretty horrible things. Um, there is bias in the text systems and there's bias in the image systems as well. So, you know, you might ask uh, a text uh, bot to write a short story about a doctor who is a very nice doctor. And lo and behold, the doctor will be white and the doctor will be male because these are the biases that are already present in society. These AI systems, they tend to amplify these biases unless they are corrected. There are ways around that. There are sort of tactics and technical things you can do to sort of dampen those biases down. But the number one thing is simply being aware that these this is how these systems work and that they have these uh, limitations in them. And why is there so much investment or focus on generative AI? Is it because there's some really profitable, practical uses here? Or was it just a lark? I mean, people are betting it'll be very profitable. It's become the buzzword in many ways. And if you think about it, you know, tech has sort of been very exhausted in recent years by failures in crypto, by failures in the metaverse. And generative AI actually works. You know, these systems actually do sort of what they promise they're going to. And if you look at the potential possibilities, you know, th th they are huge for the creative industries. If you're in Hollywood, if you're an illustrator, then you will have generative AI tools probably become part of your workflow. So something that you might do if you're a designer, if, for example, you know, you might use a AI program to come up with some ideas. So you have to design a new chair. It has to be a certain color. It has to fit into this environment. You might tap those specifications into an AI program. It'll spit out, you know, 20, 30 ideas, and you'll use those as a starting out point. So I, I think there's going to be a lot more collaboration with AI in the workplace. That's going to become something that everyone's going to be doing a bit more of. And how do we get from, from here to there? What are the steps between where we are now and where we'll be when this feels like old hat, perhaps? I think they're quite short steps at this point. You know, I, I had something earlier this week, a friend of mine texted me. Uh, he works at a university and he said, oh, what do you know about ChatGPT? I've just been using it. And he was like, I just used it to write a macro for Excel, you know, a little a little bit of code in order to sort a database. And that's no, that's something he does a lot as part of his job. And he's not a techie guy, but he had used this tool with no prompting to help make his job faster. The tool had written this bit of code for him, and then he'd done a bit of debugging it to make it work properly. And then he just used it in his job. I think that's the sort of thing that we're going to see becoming more and more commonplace. You know, you might not Google something, but you might ask an AI about it instead. James Vincent, catch his work at TheVerge.com. Our show today was produced by Amanda Llewellyn with an assist from Artificial Intelligence. Matthew Collette edited, Laura Bullard fact-checked, and Afim Shapiro engineered with help from Paul Mounsey. 
and additional help, not from AI, but from Brandon McFarlane from the Vox Media Podcast Network, who came in with an assist on that Beyonce bit. Thanks, Brandon. It's Today Explained. All the single patties, 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 all the single patties. Get your cheese out!